awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and joining me today, after accidentally exploiting his family, is a thief. I mean, we've all been there. I feel like that's a lot of shade you're throwing my way. I feel like that's universal experience. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not something everyone goes through at a certain point in their life. I'm just saying this is where you are at yours, you know, when you reach puberty and you accidentally blow up your entire found family. That's how I became a man. I read yeah. from the I read from the Torah and blew up my family. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's not, Ooh, that's that's not gonna a good... That's going to get me shut down. <laughs> 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 Awkward. Um, uh, we are talking about Arcane Season 1, Episode 3. Uh, which I believe is called The Base Violence Necessary for Change, which is just an awesome title. Uh, in this episode, an epic showdown between two rivals results in a fateful moment for Zorn. Jason, Victor, risk it all for their research. Which is um, pretty brief. It's a nice little, nice little yeah. synopsis. Well done, Netflix. Um, I'm liking the synopsis. And you know what? I'm not going to get bogged down in the synopsis that I always do on every single one of these episodes. This was a good episode. I liked it. It was awesome. I mean, in some respects, yeah, it was awesome. It was also very, you know, heartbreaking and tragic in it's, other respects. It was, I mean, that's the kind of fiction I, I enjoy. It's like, why, why, why are you doing this to these characters that I love? Why are they hurting? I don't like it, but I'll keep going to keep watching. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first watched it, it's like, I can't look away. And then afterwards, I'm like, I never want to watch it again. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's yeah. like, no, why are you being so cruel to your sister? Uh, rundown um, of the episode. Yeah, for what happened? Has, what happened? Um, so last episode ended with the Enforcers coming or with, um, with Vi basically being like, I'm going to give myself up for like all the violence that's occurred. And then everyone will be happy. And nope, that's not what happened. Vanda comes and rescues her, and then Silco comes and double crosses them and grabs Vanda instead. So when Vi and the family go to rescue her, rescue him, I should say, basically it's a trap. And um, Powder accidentally kills everyone. Yeah. That's, that's kind of um, it. I feel like there's, there's awesome some stuff. Scenes that like they kind of hand waved away a little bit or there's some stuff that doesn't make sense in this episode yeah um well like all the the zorn piltover tension right like they were about to go to war essentially and then all these other characters yeah. were like let's just put them aside let's just we'll for, you know put that on the back burner just for a little bit yeah i'm wondering about that well it seems this is this is me using future knowledge future knowledge for future episodes um because at the end um enforcer remy he who i'm sure has a real name right, marcus is it marcus <laughs> Jesus. yeah mark yeah. marcus is australian guy yeah yeah marcus the australian guy he grabs he grabs vi and yeah she was kind of the scapegoat like that's why they went down there in the first place to to get someone and it's like okay cool we've got someone to blame it all on now so the war yeah, but is why couldn't of... they have just? Well, what about like? Here's the, here's what I'm wondering: is that they took Vanda? Why not just make Vanda the scapegoat? Because Vanda's dead by the end of the episode. Or is it like a Silco thing? Well, Silco captured Vanda, and like they Piltover yeah. could have used Vanda as a scapegoat, right? Yeah. 
but was it Silco because he had like you know an axe to grind with Vanda? Is that why? Why Vanda's not the sil- scapegoat? Yeah, like Silco wouldn't allow that. Like he wanted something else, or I don't know. Yeah, I reckon they wanted they wanted an example, and if they can get someone who's alive as the example, and like, look, we sent them to prison, then it's much better than oh yeah, and they died in the attempt. Yeah, well, I'm also wondering because you know Silco set a trap with Vanda, right? Yes. But like, who is the trap for? Yeah, and why set the trap? Right, like that feels a bit. I remember not really noticing that the first time I watched it, but then on rewatching it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of weird. Yeah, he very much. I'm wondering whether he was going to prevent the war by basically he wanted Vanda. He wanted Vander and he wanted to to have like his little speech and his 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 revenge, but he couldn't have that and prevent a war unless he delivered all of them. Like unless Vander's dead and all the kids are dead and all. So do you think he wanted he wanted to get the kids for Piltover to like establish a thing with Piltover? Yeah, or he wanted to clean them all up. Like he wanted yeah. to get rid of all of them, then he can just blame Vander. He can blame the kids. It's like it doesn't. It doesn't matter who it is. There's your scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's an odd know. trap. I think. I think it is a bit vague. I think at that point, well, the episode does start with big monologue from Silco as we learn a bit about his yeah. backstory. Yeah, um, but, he was... but I think his motivations are still not super clear at this point. It seemed like he wanted to change the world, or at least he, he. This is what I'm interesting that the whole thing is a clash of ideals between the Silco idea and the Vander idea. Yeah, like they they have a conversation about it. Like this isn't them just punching on because they they have different opinions. This is Silco trying to convince Vander of his side, like explaining but what is that know, side. We, we believe something. He. It feels like he wants Zorn to be taken seriously. Like, well, here's he, the he interesting thing. Because, like, yeah, well, like, he betrays the other Piltover and forces, but then he's happy to, like, pay the bribe to Marcus. Like, he clearly wants someone on the inside, you know, like, he's not just anti Piltover, tear him down. Well, which, which enforces does he betray? The one with the great voice. The old lady. Oh yes, I've voice. learned her name. I've learned her name since um since our last record. Um she is uh Shore Ag- Agdashlu. Um uh, oh, she's flawless like, pronunciation. I know, right? I my my uh Farsi is like spot on. Um no, it's she's a very famous Iranian actor. Uh, she doesn't do Anna from Overwatch, does she? I don't know. I will find out as I, I feel talk. like that's profiling. That's profiling on my part. I mean, she she might. She's probably in a bunch of stuff. She's in Star Trek Beyond. That's um useful to know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone remembers Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> um, but yeah, Silco betrays them. And... Yeah, I don't think he betrays them. I think he comes forward like with his little. No, but he's, his... Marcus was like Marcus was like this wasn't part of the plan, right? 
Well, what was part of the plan? Or do like, you he think he just gave up? Um, what's her face? Let's see, what's it? He gave up Vi. Well, I don't know, right? I think it's kind of vague. I suspect the plan was we take in whoever's here. Like, you give us the info of whoever's here. We take them in. If it's, or it's Vanda, you get them first. Like, oh, we tried to take someone in, but then someone else grabbed them first. And oh, look, he's dead. But oh, right, the right, only right. person in on that plan was Marcus. So when like this oh, creepy okay. muscle dude comes out of the shadows, the other enforcer is like, stop. And that guy just kills them. I think, okay. And that's here's, the part that's here's what part I'm saying. Th- yeah. Here's, yeah. So the way that I see it is that Marcus is like, we just need anyone. We'll take Vanta. Yeah. And then Silco's like, no, no, no. I want Vanta. But if you give me Vanta, I can get you someone. I can get you the real culprits or whatever. Yeah. But then he kills Grayson, the. Yeah. The other enforcers and what's his name? Ben Benzo? Benzo, yeah. Well Benzo guy, gets yeah. himself killed. Um that's you know, classic tragic NPC just Yeah. Yeah. I do love he's, a double cross. He's small enough like to that. just die. Like he's yeah. Yeah, Same you need to show that they're serious by killing that NPC that everyone thinks is cool. Everyone loves Benzo. Everyone loves Benzo. Benzo was in the. It was used as our um, image just not too long ago on on the Instagram. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, double cross. Double cross. How do you feel about using a double cross as a game master? Um. Well, in this instance, it's not the quote unquote player characters. It's not the protagonist being double crossed, right? It's right, but I still feel that that's the same sort of thing. It's like, you should expect Sil- someone like Silco is going to double cross you. Well, I think it's more just in terms of like how it impacts the play. Like, I guess in a way, Marcus double crossed the quote unquote good guys, but that's, that was yeah. very telegraphed, right? That's very obvious. Yeah. Like, um, and it wasn't a major thing, but then he got double crossed by Silco. And then that, for me, is like a between NPCs. So that doesn't have the same sort of impact. Hmm. I'm not thinking like this. Let, let's say, for example, then, that Marcus is the player character. So he double-crossed. He, he no, double-crossed. He's, he, he's double-crossed double some NPCs. Like, yeah, I'll take you in. And he's like, no, I'm going to hand you over to this other enemy. Ha, ha, ha. I get all the money because that's how oh, players yeah, yeah. awfully. That's often what players work. would do. Yeah, a player would do. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's what players would do, and then they get double crossed in return. It's like, do you think that's always too telegraphed, or is it like a bit of meta knowledge that the players are automatically suspect of anyone who's like, "Hey, I'll, I'll do this thing that you want." Ooh, I mean, players generally are, are pretty suspicious of NPCs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but you can kind of use that meta knowledge against them as well, you know, by having someone who like looks really suspicious, but then turns out to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, I mean, I love, a- I love betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. I think every game master loves a betrayal. Like, it's just fun to have someone who, yeah, we trust you and you give us lots of jobs, but I'm actually working for evil kind of, kind of aspect. Like, that's just a fun reveal to do. Yeah, it is kind of... Do you think it's tropey at this point? It's such a thing in, like... It's especially a thing in, like, kids' movies. 
Oh yeah. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Yeah, like animated movies. I don't watch just as many kids have... movies as you. Yeah, that's right. Um, I got ten kids, so I've been through a lot. Yeah, nine now that um, you know you're surrounded yeah. by the. Well, I mean, none of them, of none of them are actually mine. Yeah, I just keep <laughs> taking them. <laughs> they keep taking them away. Um, but yeah, it's like it's always in Disney movies and stuff. There's always a betrayal from someone you expect to be good. Yeah, Frozen. It's the the handsome prince. I feel that. I give kids' movies a lot more of a pass when it comes to tropes like that because the kids are kids are stupid. Um, yes. But also they haven't experienced a lot of the fiction that we have. Like this may be their first time seeing that. Right. But now you've just ruined the trope. Like you've just introduced it to them so early and now they just expect that yeah. in all the movies. But sometimes they're not. It's like there's still classic films that don't do that. Name three. Okay, Cinderella, um, Sleeping Beauty, and The Lion King. No, Lion King is betrayed by Scar. Yeah, but Scar is definitely like telegraphed as a villain. Now, the we're, now world. we're profiling. Now we're profiling. Like he says, I am a villain. If I cannot be, if I cannot be a lover, I will prove a villain. That's classic Lion King song. I am a villain. Yeah. <laughs> Be prepared. Anyway, look, I'm not going to go and have be prepared as about anal sex. That's a whole separate podcast. Um, going back to to the double cross, and this is going to be the first Blades of the Dark mention uh, for the week. Put it in the tags. Yep. Um, Blades of the Dark actually says we know that this is a trope that like whoever gives you the heist or whatever is actually the evil dude. Don't do that. Like, the player characters are going to get so much shit thrown on them through this game. Just when they succeed, give them the reward. Yeah. Because this is going to be a game where the heist is always happening. Like, it's a game about heists. So, sometimes they go smooth. And sometimes, like, you, you, you know, someone might die or lose a limb or something, but you get the reward at the end. Like, this is, the, the, this is why you keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what I like to do. I I like like to have those that occasionally I'll just be like, yeah, this was just a straightforward, simple job. All the shenanigans occurred and stuff happened and there was a mission. And then at the end, the person's like, great, well done. Here's your money. Off I go. That's really all I wanted. I'm not going to try and double cross you. I just wanted the, you know, ring back or something. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in subverting expectations um but then also i think for me when i'm game mastering i just want to keep it i want to keep them guessing right and so sometimes that means subverting expectations but then you know if if all of a sudden everything i do is not a cliche then my players begin to expect that right and so you have to go back to the the obvious things perhaps and (laughs) it's just about mixing it up i think they keep wanting like a unique and like engaging story Oh my god! Yeah, it's the oh, worst. They're the worst. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, totally understand that. Uh, all right, all right. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, that's kind of all I've got to say about the double cross. It's like it's good. It's the double double cross. It's the meta double cross where you're like, hey, this person's all shifty, and then you don't just like betray them. Like you said before, it's like sometimes you just let them let them get away with it. 
Yeah, and it's a classic as well. Just like let your players react to it, you know, just see how they react to it and then decide afterwards. Because you can still have them double cross it. If this is a shifty guy and you still want them to double cross the players, like that would make sense. You can just see how they go and see what makes sense. Yeah. I've got an adventure that I often run. Um, just a well, it's sort of a one shot. It's the end of a series of adventures, which they all can be run as one shots. And it always has the villain double cross the party. And this is one I, I often run at um, like conventions and things like that. So I'm really worried about time a lot of the time. So occasionally, yeah. if I'm running short of time because of something that's happened earlier in the adventure, I just won't have a double cross. And there's reasons why I'm just like, yeah, he's he's legit this time because he's going to screw you later down the road or he's got an ulterior motive. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter this time whether he actually gets away with it or not. It's like, he's, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll pay you the money I've, I promised this time. But don't worry. I know where you live kind of attitude. Yeah. No, I dig that. Just because yeah. sometimes I didn't want to go for another 90 minutes of combat. In, in fifth edition? What? That yeah. can happen? What? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> what? What's that? What's that about? Oh. Um, um, let's talk about the bromance, quote unquote, between Victor and Chase. Well, Victor and Chase. Oh, yeah. I was expecting you to say Silco and Vander. It's like, that was a weird aspect. <laughs> Honestly, the uh, Victor and Chase yeah. stuff, that was the most boring part of the episode to me. Yeah. Like, I love the parallels that were going on between um, how to triggering the bomb and Victor and Jace, like, testing the the prototype i guess for te- hex tech yeah is is this gonna um, i don't i was gonna ask is this like get developed further like their bromance do they have a falling out does one become evil but i was also mm, i don't want to know i want to discuss <laughs> uh, this i mean their relationship is important obviously for pushing the the story forwards in a lot of ways mm. um but i think you know, I think what makes this show so great is obviously all the characters and their relationships with all the other characters. Um, and it's a very tight story where, like, everything is sort of in there very intentionally and everything kind of ties together, hmm. um, which I really appreciate. I think with all the Hextech stuff, they hand wave a lot of the specific details, which I think is is great because I think there's enough kind yeah. of... It's it's that idea of like include the stuff that's important, right? And it's you know just only describe the hex tech stuff as much as you need to. More about the vibe, you know, because they do the whole thing, and it's like you don't know what all the symbols are. You don't know. No. Even like when it's quote unquote successful, it's like they're just floating in the air. Like, what does that mean, right? Like, is that what they wanted? Was that the point of the experiment? You know, it's like what I loved but- about it. Yeah, is that you don't know what they were trying to achieve. But we've seen what happens when it goes wrong, and the difference between this shows, well, this went right. Like, it could have been the fact that they're floating. It's like, well, it's unstable. We can't control it. It's like, no, no, no. It's stable, and we're just kind of here without violence. And that's what we see every other time. So it's been nicely developed through this. It's like that shorthand of this is the bad version. Now we've got the good version. Yeah, and I think it speaks to how, for some situations, it's more important to just get that that feel of it, you know, rather yeah. than the specific... Don't get bogged down in the details. You don't need to 
know exactly what the MacGuffin device does. You just need to know that it's it hasn't been working and now it's working, you know? Like Yeah. I find that such a problem for D and D in particular. Because if, if it's a MacGuffin device, if it's like a magical item or something, the players want to know how it works. Yeah. And they like, want I can't to identify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Give me a whole wall of text about exactly what it does. How does it work? How can I ch- um, jam it in my armor? How, how can much I can I sell sword? it for? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, fine. It's just a piece of a machine that yeah. is useless to you, but is very important to whoever needs it. And um, I, think I thought that, that was a great is a good idea. Yeah, a great moment as well, like just before that, which I thought was like a very D and D moment, was when they were mm-hmm. trying to like quote unquote break into the lab. Oh they yes, got caught. They got caught lock picking, and it's like, oh, this isn't my bedroom. Oh yeah, and then <laughs> it's like fail that deception roll, and then Jace steps up. Like Jace, the high charisma character, steps forward, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. let's. I'm just gonna level with you. Yeah. Is that what he is? Do you reckon he's a high charisma, high intelligence? I reckon he's um, a paladin. Artificer? Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have You'll said see paladin. him later on. Later on when he's in action, you'll see. You'll say, oh, he's a paladin. Once he gets his like Iron Man suit or whatever. All right. No, yeah. see, I, I would have said um, wizard, honestly, or artificer, because mm. he's dealing with magic and tech. But yeah, okay. Sh- sure. I, well, I think, I mean, I think that's pretty valid. Um, but you also see, you know, in future episodes, spoiler, like he's a very symbolic figure, right? He's very like people look right. to him and he inspires people. Yeah. So yeah, he kind of that that intelligence charisma power. Well, I would put Victor definitely as like a wizard artificer, like Yeah. He's the I, the negative con score, like There was something about the way that they were dressed in that scene like they were in the exact same outfit save for their tie yeah and i was is this meant to be like a uniform is this meant to be like that they've swapped wardrobes like what's the what's the i think it's i just, think it's like a uniform like the academy okay yeah that I, that makes more sense because i was like they're looking very similar today <laughs> So yeah. this is a little bit more than bromance. This is like you stayed over and I'm wearing your clothes. <laughs> matching clothes, yeah. Yeah. Which um, Jason also not see fit in Victor's clothes. <laughs> Definitely not. We also see Mel Madata um, mm-hmm. and her kind of importance. She's been like she's kind of a background character, I think, throughout the series, but she's there for like the important stuff, I think is the the main takeaway as well. Um, yeah, I do like that she's kind of just swans in and is like, no, no. I, I've got the power. You can continue to do this at my discretion. Like, give me the um, the exit. Like, prove to me that you can do what you can do, and I won't report this. You got twenty four hours kind of aspect. Yeah. Well, she's the catalyst for a lot of things. Where she kind of she's that NPC that really like gets things moving right and like moves the story forwards. But you know, when you've got so many characters, you can't you got to be really careful about having too many characters and having any of them kind of overstay. Would you say that she's sort of like their patron? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Some pretty pretty close like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that, that she... This is kind of the, the birth of their adventuring party where they've got this idea, we can do this with magic, and she's like, all right, prove it. I don't understand that you're breaking into my tower. Um, 
I'm going to ignore you for a little while and see what you got. And if you can manage it, then I'll, you can work for me. Yeah. No, she's a great character, like everyone in this show. Everyone's an amazing character in this show. I, I feel that. I like that you focused on like the Jace and Victor storyline, whereas all my notes are all about the Vi and Powder and Vander stuff. It's like it's all I don't know the if I'd focus sequences. on it, but it's part of it, and it's it's good. It's, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a thing. Like, Hopefully, it'll be a thing in future seasons as well. Like, yeah, their relationship or just yeah. Yeah. See, I was just more about those epic moments. It's not the epic moments of Discovery because I feel that that hand-waving we mentioned before, it didn't detract from the stakes of it. Like, I understood what was going on, but I also didn't understand the scope of it. Like, it was just kind of, it felt like a kind of a given that they were going to do this. Like, they weren't going to get busted and go on the run or anything like that. It's like, yeah, they've had had a hypothesis. They proved it. That's awesome for them. I don't understand what that means, but great. Whereas I understand when they're trying to free Vanda from the chair and like Vi goes out to onto the bridge and is like facing off against the entire entirety of Silco's crew. It's like, I understand the stakes there. Yeah. And serious, that sequence, like we talked about the, the fight scene in the first episode, but this was just that a thousand. Uh, honestly, I think it's one of the the less exciting fight scenes in the show. It was just cool. It just looked cool. Yeah, just that um, set how- piece of the bridge to me. That's what like yeah something about bridges, like Horatio on the bridge, and like that whole aspect of it. And Horatio on the bridge. That's completely separate. That's Nelson. Anyway, um, when she goes to to punch the mutated guy. And it's like got the yeah. slow mo of her coming down, and then just like the snap of him grabbing her. It's like that's some awesome posing. Yeah, um, and just think that whole bridge encounter would be ruined if there was a single ranged character. Like, well, see, I feel that this is a, a situation where you don't have a ranged. Ca- well, obviously, you don't have a ranged character. You have someone yeah. who's got bombs, apparently. But it is that opportunity for characters who don't, might not normally get to shine to shine. Like that yeah. encounter has been built around the skills of the party. You've got the brawler, the barbarian. You've got the rogue, who obviously doesn't have a ranged weapon. You've got the um, the guy who's strong but not actually finesse with, um, oh, what's the guy's name with the glasses? Clagger. Clagger, yeah, you've got Clagger who's just trying to get them a way out. It's like you've got these strengths for them, but none of those are ranged. So you're like, this is going to be a brawl. I think they just have a bad party composition, if I'm being honest. I think they're all, well, if you have like maybe three they people, they're all marshals, them. or they're all like marshal and melee. Like, come on. Yeah, as we've seen, Powder should have come with them because she's got the shoes. Well, she's a, wa- she's a wild magic sorcerer. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, that's true. She's a jinx. Oh my gosh. I'm sure that will come back. What? That's a name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I. It's so hard to create a scene like that for players, I think. Because yes. it's so dependent on them not having power in certain areas. Like, um, yep. not having the perfect composition. And I feel that parties always try to be balanced. Yeah, yeah. 
And so sometimes it's fun not to, because the game master wants to have a cool sequence. And the important thing is to have a cool sequence with the players you have, not just ones that can do everything. Right. Well, that's my opinion anyway. I mean, even down to oh, when Vanda gets chucked off and he's like, no, I'm going to take the drugs now and I'm going to be like a giant monster creature. Yeah. There's just um, all or that yeah. entire sequence. Awesome for me. Yeah, honestly, it was it was good. Um, I don't think there's much to say about like the all the fights. Like it's just it's no, a cool that's true. fight. It's just it's just cool. Watch, fight. Just watch it. Yeah, just watch the cool fight. There is one point that I do like, and I think it's useful for situations like that when you've got um, a cool fight, but also when you want to keep the story moving. That Vanda has that choice after the explosion when he's like all monstrous yeah. and he's like on the bridge and he can see that Vi is trapped and then he can see Silco at the other end of the bridge and it's like, what do you do? That's when the game master asks, what do you do? Do you chase the villain or do you save your friend or save your family? Yeah. And I think that's the important ones that you make clear what the stakes are to the characters and you give them that choice and make the clear you can only pick one. Yeah, or even before that, after he falls off the bridge, there's that moment mm. as well. It's like before he takes the shimmer, you know, it's like, do you want to take the shimmer and corrupt yourself mm. and potentially deal with all these other consequences or, mm. you know, die a hero? Well, I wonder about that. Is it like a, a series of bad roles that led him down there? And now the game master's giving him an out. It's like, look, you're already on zero hit points. You're already out of the fight. I don't want you sitting here for an hour. What if you take the shimmer, you get one last burst, but you're corrupted and like you're not coming back. You can't come back from this one. Yeah. So I, I, I like really like those that. Yeah. Choices. Yeah. 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 Again, Blades um, in the Dark is built around this idea of devil's bargains, where if you're not doing, if you're running, like you're in a situation that's desperate, the, the game master say, okay, let's do a devil's bargain where you're able to grab what you need, but it's going to cut up your arm and you're going to take a wound or like a trauma or something like that. So yeah. it's going to make it worse, but you're going to get the thing that you really need right now done. Yeah, yeah. I really like that for, yeah, what you were saying, in the context of D&D, you could say, like, you know, you get this short burst of energy, but then you can't, you will die and you can't resurrect, basically, you know. Yeah. Add the stakes to... Like, it gives them a chance for, like, that that last, like, that heroic last stand, or to get the um the moment, the the hero moment of saving everyone. Yeah, and but you could even put it as like, well, you know, the fight's going badly for the rest of your party. You know, if you don't, you could get resurrected, but then also your party might just TPK and just lose that fight. Yeah. That it, I like it. I think the key element of that is indicating what the choice is and what the stakes will be. Yeah. And there's no argument about it. It's like, this is what will happen if you succeed and this is what will happen if you fail. Like, that's that's it. All about choice. Um, I think 
it's one other thing I really loved about the end sequence and mm. I thought it was a great D&D moment is the uh well first of all there was a bit of foreshadowing earlier with uh powder and how she would kind of like when she got left behind and she was kind of freaking out yeah um yeah but a little yeah a little I mean she's a kid you know but definitely yeah. hints there of her kind of mental stability going forward how old is she meant to be oh that's a great question i want to say like 10 okay that makes sense i mean the others I... are like mid-teens right like yeah i'm pretty certain i threw temper tantrums like that when i was 10 yeah i see it. i've seen it all the time in classrooms yeah as i said when you when you hit puberty and you blow up your family like that's just how you yeah. act um, but no, the I thought the 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 big explosion moment with the monkey and how yeah it was clapping and like every clap there was like another tick. Um, I thought it was just, it was so good and just the way they slowed the time down. They turned they turned one big explosion into a whole sequence, right? Into a whole yes. bunch of different moments was just so good. Well, I like that because it shows. This is one action, but it has so many different consequences. Like, here's the consequence for for Vi. Here's the consequence for Powder. Here's the consequence for Silco. Here's the consequence for Marcus. And that paralleled yeah. with Jason Victor turning on their machine and getting it to work. It's like, this is the moment. This is something that is going to have so many more consequences than just the one thing. And like getting to show it again from all the different angles, I think that's it's chef's kiss. Um, yeah, it's like uh, environmental effect happens at the top of the round, and then you don't yeah. see, you don't know what happens until it's your turn. You know what happens to you specifically, and yeah, you know what it kind of reminds me of. The D and D has the chase rules. And one of those yep. things is you have at the end of your turn, you roll and that's what will happen to the person on the next turn. Like you look at the table and it's like, you determine what happens to the next person. And it's that same sort of style, like your yeah. actions will, well, not your action specifically, but your agency creates a consequence for somebody else. Yeah. No, uh, quite I've same, definitely used obviously. those. I've definitely used those chase rules a lot so much. I, fucking hate those chase rules i have been trying to make them work for five years and i cannot get them to work bad rules in times of the dragons what i've seen them work really well on actual plays and every time i try it someone's like oh yeah just cast web I'm like no but you can't I'm like okay i guess i guess that works uh, but going back to that moment it's like well how would you describe a moment like that like is that when the the wizard tosses the fireball is that the the key element of it is that something changing in the environment because of what the players do like there's that's a i think it's more environmental yeah yeah i think it's it could even be like post post you know you killed the boss but then the whole dungeon is coming well, down everything's collapsing yeah so do you that's more of a descriptive sequence rather than um something that the players get to do themselves i would say because i think it kind of screws everyone up 
kind of equally. I think it's equally bad yeah. for everyone involved. So I think I would put it as more of an environmental thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I like that. It's kind of the next stage of the boss fight. Like in this in this yeah, rescue yeah, mission yeah. that we've had, um Vi and Vanda well, it's like Vanda's play has been away for a week or two and is coming back for one final thing. So Vi and Clagger and Milo are there to rescue. And Powder is an NPC in this case. Because yeah. just they're the the catalyst for it. Yeah, I okay, yeah, I like it. I like it. And you just have it as cool. This is what ends the fight. Because you've reached that point in the fight where they're not beaten, but it's stopped. Like you've come up to the, yeah. the end of the conflict because they figured a way out, they've locked the door kind of thing. I love that yeah. moment. I really wanted I can't remember the guy's name, the the big monster dude. I want his hand to get caught at the door and his fingers to just fall off. It's just his moments like, dude, I walk in all serious and slow. Oh shit, you're closing the door. No, 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 no. Gotta run. Um, gotta run. I was really surprised that he like turned back. Um I assumed like I remember I I first assumed that when you took the shimmer, it just like transformed you permanently. Yeah, that seems like um, but the, we see. The yeah, we see choice. now it's more of a a temporary thing. Yeah, yeah, it's just the adrenaline, and it's yeah. That's why Vander dies because he was already half dead when um when he took the shimmer. It's like this is just to give him that burst of energy until you know his um he fails his con save and collapses. Yeah, he loses. It's what is the? It's like the is it the relentless. Rage or something the barbarian has. Yeah, relentless rolling. rage yeah. or enduring, enduring rage. Yeah. Too angry to die is what I call it. Yeah, yeah, that was Vanda. Yeah, yeah Vanda's like, ah, I just smash now. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about, and it's kind of the. Do shot you think Vanda's dead? By the way, no. At the end, <laughs> no. I'm gonna say he's not. Well, I think because... there's that thing of like when characters die, you know, it's like in terms of how you show that, it's like, oh, well, they're yeah. quote unquote dead, but maybe, you know. Yeah, he kind of like went, uh, take care of powder, donk, head out. And then we just kind of left his body in the street with Silco. So, yeah, like we see, you know, with Milo and Clagger, we see them getting fully crushed. And that, I remember yeah. that fucking threw me for a loop. Oh. That was brutal. Like, I when Clagger got hit, I was like, oh, shit, Clagger's dead. And then Milo gets skewered. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, he's probably going to die. And then they fucking drop rocks on both of them. Like, oh, yeah. wow. They're really, really like, clearing him. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> these guys are definitely dead. And what I loved is earlier when when um, Vi was going to go rescue them, Clagger's like, he's our father too. Like, this isn't just... Vi and Powder. It's not just them who see Vander as a father figure. It's like these two as well. It's they're all a family. It's just these two didn't have the the cool coloured hair, so they're not going to last beyond the episode three. Yeah. Like if only they'd been able to like get some green hair or something, they would have. Well, Silco doesn't have coloured hair. Yeah, but Silco's got a cool eye thing. That's true. Yeah. You gotta have you gotta have a cool something. You gotta have a gimmick. And unfortunately, they just didn't find it. I mean, Clagger gave a good attempt with his glasses, like the the goggles. That was a, a good good attempt. 
Um, but you notice the goggles came off when he got killed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, I was accidentally muted myself. Um, yeah. Um, I figured you were yeah, just looking at the goggles. You were just blown away by my genius. Yeah, as soon as you lost the goggles, it's like, well, there's I mean, anytime, your, your special abilities. Anytime gone. I take my glasses off, I feel like I might die. <laughs> I feel like I lose That's my plot armor. <laughs> especially when you're driving. <laughs> yeah, especially when I go to I get, every time, every night when I go to bed. Could yeah. be my last. One thing I want to talk about uh, is the character designs of what are essentially NPCs or cannon fodder. Like, yeah, I feel like the character designs in this. There's never anyone who looks like you are just a background character. Like, yeah. I'm thinking specifically like um, Silco's men that charge across the bridge. You know how many of them there are. You know what each of them looks like. They've all got like their own individual thing. And um, like, who's the, I'm guessing this is a character, but from the game, the, um, the woman who saves his life and gets her arm blown off by the explosion um she's not she's not a character from the game yeah but that was it was like a whole thing they made it she made it so important that like yeah she was like going into the fight and still was like gonna no, miss not you and I'm like what the fuck like um, why is she so important that she's not going to enter the fight and then has her arm blown off yeah she comes up later um but, and obviously she you saw her earlier as well as like the yeah she represents the zorn collective that kind of moves away from vanda's way of thinking to silco's basically right okay that makes sense then um, um and she's anyway, also kind the, the, of a a parallel for vi vi's character almost as well yeah but the fact that they're all sort of unique like you've got the big guy that that vi knocks out with one punch um that yeah they're all individuals and it's not just oh you're fighting four orcs oh you're fighting like three punks it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one that's got the the green mohawk, and this is the one that's got the goggles. And this one's like got little pigtails, but is using like two batons, and it's, it makes them like full individuals. And I'm thinking, there's I just watched um, the Weekly Planet's Caravan of Garbage. They're talking about Robocop, and they were comparing it with like action movies now. Like when you want. A, a hero to beat the crap like marvel movies are the best example they're fighting faceless goons most of the time yes yeah and they've got a mask on or something but you know they're all bad guys because they're all dressed in black and they've got the faceless mask whereas something like robocop every single member of the crew has an individual look like and yeah. taking each one out is its own little story like and lost boys is the same like the the vampires in that each have like they're all individuals you don't see them that much but you know that's that one that's that one that's this one like making them individual makes it much feels more real to me like it makes it yeah. more of a a cool action story i think it's i i'm assuming the reason they don't is obviously just for like you know budget purposes but oh yeah well uh, just cuz it's easier um, but I, I know, like, maybe you could make the argument that it's like a clarity thing, right? Like visual clarity in a fight. Um, but I don't really agree with that. I don't think it's necessary. No, I, I think it's unnecessary. I'm thinking even regards to role playing games. It's like, well, why do you need that? 
like the the heroes know who the heroes are. Yeah. But if you're describing a scene, if you want to have it as vivid as possible, you don't want to be like, okay, that's just the one on the left. That's the one on the right. This guy over here. It's like, he's going to take yeah. a swing at you. It's like, no, no, this guy's going to wipe away like the, the blood pouring from his mouth and pull out the septum piercing that you've already half damaged and like take a swing at you with like these knuckle dusters. Meanwhile, the guy, the skinny guy over the other side is going to take a shot at your knees. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Players love that. I feel like they do. And it's sequences like this that make it more real. Like sequences like this in, in TV shows where we don't get often enough. Like the enforcers are all faceless, but everyone from Zon, they have an individual aspect to them. Yeah. I, Again, I no like colored hair, though. Too. That's why. No, that's why they failed. Yeah. Yeah. If what this is just a rule. When you're taking on someone with colored hair, you know you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah, that's why I, I exclusively don't punch people with colored hair in real life. That's the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> what about people with no hair? Can you punch them? Um, depends if it's colored or not. Could be colored no hair. So they've got like a, it- they've shaved their hair, but they painted their head. Well, I gotta wait for it to grow out. If it grows out colored, oh, okay. then then we got an issue. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on this episode? Um, I, how did you feel about, cause at the very end, there's the moment where obviously there's the big confrontation between Vi and Powder. Yeah. Um, which is heartbreaking, just totally oh, heartbreaking. It's because it's so real, isn't it? It's that siblings dealing with trauma, dealing with grief, lashing out, but not me yeah. or not meaning to, but yeah. Oh, it was heartbreaking. Um, how did you feel about, cause like Silco comes along and Silco is an interesting character, right? We see like a very different mm-hmm. side of him there, you know, kind and, and nurturing. Ooh, I don't um, know if I'd say kind of nurturing. Yeah. Definitely not predatory. Um, yeah. Manipulative and, and evil. Yeah. That's kind of nurturing. That's the word we use. Uh, how do you feel about how quickly sort of like Jinx runs? In- oh, Powder. <laughs> Spoiler. How quickly Powder runs into his arms? Like, does that feel I'm, like out of character? That- I'm going to go with no. Um, simply because she is a child. She has just had three members of her family die in front of her that are. It's her fault. And she didn't realize yep. that before, but she does now. Or at least two of them were her fault. And then her sister, who has been her rock, has just proven everything that she has been saying to herself and people have been telling her all her life. And then her sister, who has been her support, has smacked her in the face and said, fuck you, and left. Like, essentially- yeah. Powder's broken now. She is. It's that that child aspect of, well, I'm going to run away and I'm not your friend anymore, but multiplied by a million. That, yes, she's going to grab onto the person who has just said a kind word to her. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
And I think, like, I'm guessing there's more. Well, I, I have seen another episode. Um, so I know there is more to it than that. This is a split second decision for her. She is not thinking much more than this person isn't the person that is making me sad right now. Yeah. And honestly, I think if he stabbed her in the back of the neck, she wouldn't care at that point. Uh, okay. I don't know if that seems like a weird place to go, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> he's got the knife out and he's just <laughs> like, she's just like, you are friend, hug. And it's a little bit like, well, you don't actually know what's going to, she, she's given up any sort of agency to herself right there. Yeah. She's just like, I am going to put all my trust in you. Because you're nice to me right now. I just don't see. I just don't see why she keeps making bombs when she's clearly like a crack shot with a gun. Just give her a gun, like because she likes tinkering. Yeah. Just cast Eldritch Blast. Just just do Eldritch Blast and be happy with it. No. No, I. I like that the bombs are kind of. This is the other thing that she's realized thanks to the the magic little orby things, that all the stuff that she's been trying to do, she can now achieve. And she can prove to everyone, I'm not a jinx. I'm not useless. I'm not, I am ready. Like this is her chance to prove, just like it's Jace's chance to prove to everyone that he, he knows what he's doing. This is her chance to do the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm still not, I feel like it was a little bit like, okay, cool. Silco's just going to accept her now because there's plot reasons, but I can see why she would have, would have made that call too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that where you give your, your crit hit or your crit fail? Um, I mean, the bomb is a pretty big crit fail. Let's be real. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. That's where you <laughs> put the. It's not what she you wanted. Like that's you an, know, it's... it's not what she wanted, but I feel like you don't roll for that. That's like a plan that you put into place that doesn't go according to what you. Yeah, that's desire. a pretty big consequence for a, a crit fail. But... Yeah. yeah. It's like that's that's the game master being nasty to you. That's more than just a crit fail. Yeah, it's not like it was a. It didn't really match the stakes, right? Like the consequences didn't really, yeah. In terms of that action, yeah, yeah. That's just like I throw, a, I throw a hand grenade. And it's like, oh well, where'd you throw it? And it's like, well, there. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to trigger hit, everything yeah, you, because I'm going to move the, the gas story pipe along. And like, yeah, yeah. That's more than a crit fail. That's like um, a series of crit fails. I guess the hextech stuff first? is the hextech oh, yeah. stuff was kind of a crit success. Yeah, yeah. I. The Hextet stuff, I mean, that's just science. Is that just their their investigation check for for building it and figuring it all out? I think given the stakes of it, you know, it's like everything's against them. You're going to fail. Like, you know, the the guards are coming. They're busting through the door. Like, you need to get it. You need it to work now. I think that's- You need it a- to work now, yeah. So you're cranking it properly and that, that ability to press the button right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he enters the zone, he closes his eyes, and he thinks to the past, and yeah. Yeah, that's true, when he figures it all out and and discovers that magic is real. Um, I'm going to give it to Jace as well, actually, but for a different moment. Uh, Which Jace moment? I thought you hated uh, Jace. 
I hate Jace. Well, I don't know why you hate, think I hate Jace. Yeah, you said you hated the Jace storyline. I hated the Jace storyline. I didn't say I hated Jace. <sighs> I'm going to write Jace just, a letter and tell him, tell him that you hate you him. You should. You should. <laughs> write Kevin Alejandro a letter too and also tell him I hate him. Uh, <laughs> no, when he's talking with, what's her name, Mel Morda? Mel Madada. Mel Madada. Uh, Mel Madada and convinces her. That to me is a critical success. That is, it's not only did you achieve what you're trying to do, she's going to give you something extra as well. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like he he's just like, oh, just, just let us do this thing and rolls a 20. And she's like, not only am I going to do that, I'm going to give you 24 hours and deal with this guard that's coming along. Yeah. And yeah, I, I that's the kind of crits that I like. Just like add a little bit something extra onto what you were already trying to achieve. Yeah, for sure. And um, that's the episode of of Arcane and of D and D and TV. I feel. Um, tune in next week where we're going to talk about Happy Progress Day, everybody. Uh, it's going to be great. So you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you can leave us a rating and review wherever podcasts are found as well. That would be really great because it gets out to more listeners. If it's a five-star review, you can find us on Instagram, which is at dndntvpod. You can write us an email, which is dndntvpod at gmail.com. And you can tell us how much you also hate Jace. Uh, and we'll pass all the letters along. <laughs> uh, we are brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service of Melbourne. You can find their website at mastersofalchemy.au where you can see some of the games they're going to be running. I believe Queens of the Quest, or Questing Queens is coming up, um, but also a bunch of other games like um, Anything But D&D Day and also a Good Society thing, probably. There'll be more information there, most likely. I'm useful at plugging stuff. Someday I'll actually get copy and uh, and read it. Um Here's the moment where I go through the checklist of all the stuff I need to mention, and I feel like I covered it all. A thief isn't on the internet. Are you a thief? Um, what's the internet? That's right. That is the best answer I've ever heard. Uh, if anyone's got an invite for Blue Sky, send it through to me, because I'd love to be on Blue Sky instead of X. I'm trying to delete that as much as possible. Uh, but until next time, um, stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crit and crits. And um, Hex Tech, check it out. Was that it? Hey, I'm Hex Tech in here. I'm Hex Tech in here. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.